Thank you for listening today to our podcast here at Word of Life. We're delighted that you tuned in. And I pray that while you hear us talk, you hear the Holy Spirit speak. I know God's got a big plan for you. We're excited to be a part of that plan. Hopefully we will see you sometime soon, maybe even this weekend. Until then, we pray you have a wonderful, wonderful week. Good morning, church. How's everybody? Good. It's good to see you guys. Thank you. I don't know if that's for me. (laughs) It's so good to be here. My name is Luke. Uh, I've been on staff here for about 11 years, which is hard to believe, even for me. Um, But I'm honored to be here. Super excited uh, for what God has put on my heart to share today. And um, I just, he has such a heart for you guys. I'm going to start out this way, okay? <laughs> I get really emotional in the presence of God, and um, I like it. I'm not afraid of it. So if it makes you feel awkward, I'm sorry. <laughs> but it's good, amen? God is good. We've been doing something, I guess it's the first of October, uh, if you've been here for a month or so. And um, uh, we've had a goal, and, and believe God, to see 500 people make a decision for Jesus, Amen? Isn't that awesome? I mean, come on, 500 people. We're going to see that. Um, So let's take a look at our our Jesus screen and see exactly how many people we are at right now. Let's see. Oh, my gosh. Come on, G. Oh, wow. 417. Yeah. Maybe we should have set the goal higher (laughs) because we'll hit that today in Jesus' name. (laughs) No, I really, I, um, I, I, I love this series, Happy, the recipe for happy. Um, and, and it's been big on my heart, I guess, for the last uh, almost two months. I found out two months ago, actually, which is a long time to know you're going to preach and have that much time to prepare because uh, God can give you a lot of stuff. And I'm like, OK, Lord, let's sort all this out. <laughs> I got all these pieces, but now what in the world do I do with all of them? How do I put them together? Um, and it's not exactly how I thought in the beginning that it was going to be. Um, but it is God, nevertheless. And so I'm excited about that. But when uh, I first heard that word happy, I remember getting a text from Pastor Joel and, and he said, hey, how do you feel about this? You know, we're going to do a series. You know, would you want to? Yeah, I was like, yes, absolutely. And I had this phrase come up in my heart and then the Lord's changed it over the last few weeks. But, but I believe uh, that happy is a choice. It is. I do believe that. Um, and I get to choose that. Just like God is a choice. He doesn't force himself on you, but he's a choice. We get to get up every morning and choose him. Thank God. Um, but, you know, I, I had a, something happen a couple months ago, actually seven weeks to the day, to this day. Uh, I was out in my yard, and uh, I like to work on projects. I like woodworking, and I like to get out and use my hands to build things. And so I had this table saw. And, you know, this time of the year is probably one of my favorite times for the fall. But there are a couple things that I just cannot stand. It made me unhappy about the fall. Now, that's not positive, right? <laughs> but it's true. I, I don't like the sap that falls out of these trees this time of year. Can anybody testify to that? Like, you park your car. We had trees all over our house. And you park your car and, and just, you know, you get in it every single day. No matter how many times you clean it, it seems like every day this sap comes back. It's all over my car. Well, I was in my garage the other day, and I had my table saw. It was a beautiful day, and I had it set up kind of out in the yard a little bit under the trees. And I was woodworking, and I got done. And I thought, you know what? i got to come back out here in the morning, so I'm just going to leave it set up. It's not supposed to rain. I'll just leave it in the yard. 
Well, the next day I came out there and it was covered in this sap. Like the whole table saw. If you know anything about woodworking, the wood doesn't slide through sap very well. And so I was mad. I was very unhappy in this moment because I didn't know how to get it off. I'm like, I tried everything. I thought, you know what? I'm going to get some, some mineral spirits, which is like a really strong chemical. I'm like, it'll clean anything, you know? And so I get it on a rag and it makes it worse. I start rubbing it and it, it turns to like jelly. It's like nasty and it's even worse. And I'm like, oh, gosh, what do I do? I'm like just so frustrated at this point. I thought I'm going to get some sandpaper. I will clean this table saw like no matter what it takes. So I got some sandpaper and I start rubbing it and it just gums up on the sandpaper, scratches my saw like nothing's working. So you know what I did? I got even madder. I just folded the saw up and put it back in the shop. So I'm not doing anything today. I let it steal my happy. It was a beautiful day. I could have stayed out there and worked and had a good time. But no, I, I got frustrated because what I was trying to do wasn't working. But there was a small voice on the inside that said, just use water. <laughs> I was like, no, it's not that simple. <laughs> you don't understand. And I know that voice very well, but I was frustrated and I didn't listen put this all up. Three or four days went by and I kind of forgot about it. So I go out to the shop, work on the same project, get out there and set the saw up and there it is. All the sap and all its glory. And I started to get unhappy again, like get frustrated again and the Holy Spirit was like, I told you to just use water. I'm like, it can't be that simple. I'm still doubting, right? I'm still like, no, it can't be that simple because I'm going to feel like an idiot if it works. <laughs> That's really what we're afraid of. Mm. <laughs> so I get an old towel, water hose, spray the towel, one wipe, like brand new. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Aren't you grateful for water? <laughs> I'm grateful for the Holy Spirit. I'm grateful for when he speaks to us and gives us these simple things to do. So in that moment, when I wiped it off, I got excited I'm like going inside, babe, Kelly, you got to come check this out. This is a miracle, you know, like literally a miracle. I am so excited. I'm wiping it off. I'm trying to clean everything. She's got plants that's got this stuff on it. I'm like wiping the plants off. You know, I'm just like, this is a miracle. It's magic. Not magic. It's a miracle. And I, I'm just like excited because I, I heard from God. And I had this revelation in that moment. And I voice memo, it was so strong on, on the inside, seven weeks ago today, for you guys, everybody here today at 10 o'clock. He was just telling me, there's some of you who have been trying to clean yourself and been trying to use your wisdom to fix your life. You've been doing everything you know and your strength and nothing's working. It's actually making it worse. And you can't figure it out. You're frustrated. You're tired. And you're definitely not happy. But you're acting like it. You look happy. But you know you're not. You're confused. Why is it not working? I'm trying everything. And I believe today. What the Lord wants you to know. Is that it's simple. There's a simple answer. Amen? 
Let's look at James. If you've brought your Bibles today, let's turn to the book of James, chapter 4. You know, I, I went back and forth in trying to decide which scripture to make my golden text. And uh, I like all of them. I think they're all golden. <laughs> so I don't really know which one to, you want to focus on this whole service. But James is obviously where we're going to go. But, but in 1 Corinthians 1 and 26, you don't have to turn there. You don't have to go to it on the screens. But it says that God has chosen the foolish things of the world to put to shame the wise. And God has chosen the weak things of the world to put to shame the things that are, that are mighty. He's chosen the foolish things. I looked this up because I'm like, okay, Lord, I need to understand. What does this mean? The foolish things, the simple things of the wise to bring to shame. I'm like, why would you bring anything to shame? That doesn't sound like your character, Lord. You just talk to God. You should talk to God just like he's right there with you because he is. Just ask him. You got a question. Be like, that don't sound like you, Lord. It says in your word you bring to shame the things that are wise with the foolish things. I don't understand that. What's up with that? You don't bring the shame. He's not about shame. Jesus died on the cross to take all the shame and all the guilt and all the fear and all that stuff. So why, what's going on? He said, no, 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 no. It's not the person. It's not about a person. It's to bring to shame the wisdom of the world that makes you think you're smarter than God. I'm going to let that settle in for just a second. Because a lot of times we do a lot of stuff. We see stuff in the world and be like, man, that's a good idea. That's a good idea. That's a good, there's a lot of great ideas, and I'm grateful for wisdom. But not when it confuses me and tricks me into thinking that I'm smarter than the Holy Spirit. That's a dangerous place to be. And I get there sometimes, just like with the table saw. I can figure this out. I don't need water. I don't need the simple things. Give me this complicated, nasty stuff over here that's probably not good for my skin and all these other things and make it worse. I've been there. Trust me, and I know everybody in this room has been there too. But you know, in James 4 and 6, it says, but he gives more grace. Therefore, he says, God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. We'll come back and finish that in a minute. He gives grace to the humble. Raise your hand if you need grace. Yeah. <laughs> if you didn't raise your hand, you still need it. <laughs> it's okay. He gives grace to the humble. I'm grateful for grace. Man, I'm grateful. And I'm grateful for humility being a choice. And so today, I believe my key ingredient for the recipe to happiness in my life is humility. A humble heart is a happy heart. It is. <laughs> you know, humility, I was asking the Lord the other day, I said, why is humility so simple? And he said, because it's just one choice. It's one decision. But I'm like, okay, but it's not easy. <laughs> you know, simple and easy are not the same thing. They're not. I'm grateful for both, but... But if it was easy, everybody would do it and everybody would be happy all the time. <laughs> but it's not easy. Especially when you go for a long period of time without it. You know, in studying um, 
for this message, I, I was reminded of a story one time where I was dealing with unhappy, or you could call it depression, um, and just being mad and angry and just like this roller coaster of emotions that you get on. It's like a bad roller coaster, though. I like roller coasters, but not depression and anxiety roller coaster. It's like a roller coaster you get on with no lap belt. <laughs> you know, it's like you get on and it's not locking and they hit the button to go and it's like, oh gosh, here we go. That's what that's like for me. But I was in this, this two or three month period of depression and, and anxiety and back and forth and dealing with this stuff. This is a couple years, three or four years ago. And I was so unhappy and just didn't want to be around anybody. And probably most people didn't want to be around me at this time. But I just was unhappy and, and dealing with it and struggling and not happy at home, not happy at work, not happy at the store, not happy in my car, just quiet. And if you know me, I am not quiet. I like to talk. And so I didn't understand what the heck was going on. I was mad and frustrated and doing some things that I knew to do, praying, being in my Bible. But the whole time I was doing it, there was something that was out of position. My heart. It's not about what you do on the outside. You can memorize this whole thing. Quote it word for word. That's great. But where's your heart? What position are you in? So I asked the Lord, I humbled myself. I said, Lord, what is wrong with me? Finally, I'm like, what, what is wrong with me? And he stopped me. And he said, there's nothing wrong with you. I made you. I created you in my image, in my likeness. There is nothing wrong with you. You're asking the wrong question. And I was like, okay, I got gotcha. you. <laughs> he said, you lost your gratitude. Really simple. For me in this moment, my humility was linked to my gratitude. Because see, being grateful, being thankful is an act of humility. You can't be thankful for something that you're not humble in, right? You have to be, to be thankful. You got to have humility in that area. To say thank you has nothing to do with me and everything to do with the other person or who, whatever it is. And so I'm like, nah, it ain't that simple, right? Back to the table saw. It ain't that simple, Water's not going to clean that. My thankfulness, my gratitude. You ever argue with God? I do, but he's always right. And I know it, so why don't you know why we argue with him? It's flesh. So a few days went by, and I'm like, Lord, you're going to have to show me what this whole Thanksgiving gratitude thing is. Why is it so powerful? And he showed me. <laughs> I was at lunch a few days later with a friend of mine and we were fixing, heating up our lunch. We sat at a table and he sat across from me and I just go in eating, just frustrated. I really didn't even want him to be there. I'm like, just leave me alone. Just being honest, you know, he knows me well. And I said, or he said, you're not going to give thanks for your food? And I looked up and said, no. <laughs> And he busted out laughing so hard, and it made me mad. <laughs> it made me even more mad. You ever had somebody be so full of joy and happiness and just make you mad when you're not? It's like, oh, can you not be happy today? <laughs> that was me in that moment. He kept on laughing and kept on laughing. And I, it, it literally almost pushed me to the edge in that moment. I almost told him to just shut up, but I didn't. <laughs> 
Thank God for friends who love you, who be real with you, laugh in your face when you need it. <laughs> Still didn't click with me that it was my thankfulness, my thanksgiving, my gratitude that was tied to the humility, that was tied to the grace that I needed in my life. So I get home that same night. Kelly is watching a service online, a recorded service from probably 15 years ago of a guy we like to watch. And he was doing a whole series. You know what the name of the series was? Thanksgiving Victory. And she's like, you got to watch this. This is so good. I'm like, what's it on? She's like, Thanksgiving. I'm like, oh, God. Here we go again. But you know what I did? I humbled myself. I sat down in that chair and I watched the first first one, the first message of this 16-part series. And I began to feel something lift. I began to feel this grace come and this unhappiness lift, this depression lift, this anxiety lift. And I sat there in that chair and just wept. It was awesome. It was so good, so freeing. I just began to get revelation of how much God loves me and he's not mad at me. Because I think, honestly, I was afraid to, like, to find out that it was so simple. And I've been trying all this stuff. And people have been watching me try all this stuff. And people have been you know, watching me struggle and try everything and everything. People felt sorry for me and all this stuff. And so it's like, I don't want to find out that it's just simple. But I did. Thank you, Lord. I love a story of David and Saul. King Saul, King David. I've always been intrigued by the difference of their lives. Both called to do the same thing, obviously different time zones. But, but I remember like asking the Lord, okay, what sets them apart? What's the difference between them? So he took me to 1 Samuel. You don't have to turn there. I don't think we'll have time to go through all this. But, but he took me there and, he, and I said, well, okay, Lord, show me. Pastor Joel always talks about um, uh, success leaves clues, right? It does. I mean, you find somebody who's successful, they're going to leave clues in their life. There'll be something uh, in their life that's gotten them there that they've done. So I began to look for clues that David's life left, but also began to look for clues that Saul's life left. And the biggest thing that I saw was humility. David's life was full and rich with humility. He knew how to humble himself. Did he miss it? Oh, sometimes, yes, Absolutely. But he always knew how to humble himself. And so one of the clues I saw was that in 1 Samuel chapter 16, it says six different times in one chapter that David, when he was looked for, when people looked for David or when they needed David for something, where was David? With the sheep. He was with the sheep six different times. I'm like, okay, highlight sheep, sheep, sheep. I'm highlighting all these clues. I'm like, okay, what's up with the sheep, Lord? I don't understand. What did he learn with the sheep? He's like, that's where he learned his humility. That's where he gained all this wisdom and knowledge from God. Think about it. A shepherd is a lowly position, honestly. Even the modern day shepherds, it's kind of looked down upon. It's a lowly position. Um, um, But that's what his dad asked him to do. He was obeying his father, taking care of his father's sheep. They weren't even his sheep. 
he had to go out in the field. And when Samuel came to anoint him as king, he wasn't even there. He wasn't even worried about all that. He was like, no, nah, I got to take care of my sheep. He was doing his job. He was obeying the Lord and his father. And one thing I think he learned, think about it. It says that he had to kill lions and bears to protect those sheep. Now, I don't know about you, but before I go in to kill a lion, I might want to spend some time with God. You know what I'm saying? Like, I might need some help. Where do you think he learned that? David didn't do all that in, in his own strength. He had to lean on God. He had to say, okay, Lord, I need your help time and time again. He had a ton of time to spend time with the Lord to worship and to praise. And that's where he learned how to play the harp. It's where he learned how to worship and give, you know, glory to God. And just he learned and built this huge, strong relationship with the Lord. But then I look at Saul's life. And not once do I see where Saul was like, Lord, I need your help. Not one time. Look it up for yourself. I may be wrong. It may be in there, but I couldn't find it. Saul never asked for help. What if it was just that simple? What if you just said, Lord, help? That's a pretty powerful prayer. It's not real eloquent. It doesn't sound real fancy. It's not long. No tears involved. But if you ask the Lord for help and you position your heart to receive whatever he's got to give you, here it comes. The grace of God is so good. And all you got to do is humble yourself to get it. It's not complicated, y'all. I'm a simple guy. Like, I, I like simple things. I don't like to get all complicated and, and confused. It's just not fun. And I definitely don't like to try to sound smart because I know I'm not. Because I got the Holy Spirit living in me. He makes me smart. And he tells me exactly what you need to hear. And that's all I really care about, honestly. Because that's why I'm here. Thank you, Lord. I'm going to read this scripture real quick. 1 Samuel chapter 17. Verse 50. This is interesting to me. How much time we got? Okay. It says, David prevailed over the Philistine, the Goliath, with a sling and a stone. He struck the Philistine and he killed him. And you go on down and it says that he cuts his head off and he makes it all official and everything. But then it says, and when the Philistines saw that their champion was dead, they fled. They fled. When they saw that they were defeated... They fled. Now, one thing I understand about David is that when, when Goliath was presented to him, when he came down to help his brothers, you know the whole story of David and Goliath, his brothers were in battle and, and Goliath was, was taunting God. He was taunting the, the soldiers. He was mocking God. He was speaking bad of him. David goes to help his brothers and he hears this giant blaspheming his God, talking about this, this God that he's so intimate and personal with and knows so well. He's like, Do you, what, what? No, mm-mm, that's not good. Who, how long has he been saying this stuff? And everybody's trembling in fear at this one guy. But David, knowing humility, understanding humility, understanding that what God had already done through him with a bear and a lion, through him submitting to God, asking him for help, he killed a bear and a lion with his bare hands. A giant is nothing for him. It doesn't matter what's put in front of you. When you have humility, you humble yourself and ask God for help. It's always there. 
I don't care what it is. We have nothing to fear, nothing to worry about. So David hears of this giant and he's like, no, I'm not standing for that. No, I'll take his head off. We're done. (laughs) You're not going to talk about my God like that. And so what's interesting to me is that his brother, he had a brother who was in battle. His brother comes and tells him, who do you think you are? You need to get back to the sheep. He starts to mock his sheep. He starts to mock his humility because he's jealous, right? He doesn't want to take time to ask God for help because I think if his brother had said, Lord, I need your help. We need to take out this giant. Boom, it would have been done. But David already knew about this humility. So that's exactly what he did. He humbled himself at some point in there. It doesn't say that, but it's like he had to because it's what he'd done in the past. It's all he knew. And then he asked God for help. Help me go get this giant. He goes and takes out the giant. And they fled when they realized the giant had been resisted. The giant was killed now. It says the Philistines fled. They were all gone. The devil was, had left. And if you look at James 4 and 6 in verse 7, it says right after that, but God gives grace to the humble. It says, therefore, submit, humble yourself to God. Resist the devil and he'll flee from you. It's like, I think humility is tied to this devil fleeing from you. I think a lot of times people want to resist the devil, but they got so much fear and anxiety on them, he doesn't go anywhere. I've been there, trust me. I've been so fear-stricken before, I'm like, I resist you in Jesus' name, I resist you in Jesus' name, you know, and it's like, nothing's working, nothing's happening. It's because I'm so fear-stricken. I haven't even asked God for help in that moment. I'm just like quoting a scripture that I, I, I know about. But what if I stopped and hooked my heart up with God and said, you know what, Lord, I have nothing to fear. Father, I thank you, Lord God. I don't care what the report said. I don't care what the doctors say. I thank you, Lord, for doctors. But right now, Lord, I just trust you and ask you for help. And I resist the devil in Jesus' name. And he flees. And if you've got to do that a thousand times a day, that's great. But, but I'm just saying, like, we've got to position ourselves for that help. We've got to position ourselves in a position of humility. I, I looked up this scripture. Um, or, well, I, I really wasn't looking for it. I ever get in the word and I'm like, Lord, I don't want to get in the word for any of my message. I just want to come spend time with you. And he always leads me right back to the message. I'm like, I didn't want to do that. I didn't try to get there. And so in John 15, um, we can read it. It says, abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He, he who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. That word abide, it means to stay in position. It means to stay in a state of mind. It means to continually and consistently be there. And be ready. It doesn't say that if you abide in him, everything's going to be sunshine and rainbows. <laughs> no, it doesn't say that everything is going to be perfect and nothing's going to be dropped in front of you. Nothing's going to happen to you. Nothing's going to happen to your family. No, it doesn't say any of that. It just says abide in me. Abide in me. Stay connected to me. 
and you produce the fruit. You produce that fruit of God. But you stay connected to him. You stay in this position of humility so that no matter what comes in front of you, you automatically know what to do. To ask for help. There's nothing more powerful than just like getting in a, a situation. You ever been like got a phone call or, whew, I had a few of them lately. You get a phone call and you're like, what, uh, what do I do? You just like kind of panic on the inside. But I, I thank God that in the last five or six years, he's been teaching me like your knee jerk reaction and chaos needs to be, Lord, help. Immediately, don't, don't wait, like be quick about it. Just be like, Lord, I need your help. I, I cannot do this. I do not know how to fix this. In all my wisdom, <laughs> in all my earthly wisdom, and all these books I've read and all this stuff, it's like, no, Lord, I, I need your help. I need supernatural. I need a miracle. I need something that's not of me. I need him. He comes in immediately to fix that. And time goes by fast, doesn't it? <sighs> I'm not going to read this. I'm just going to share it. You know that story where Jesus, and we'll close after that, but the story of Jesus, when he comes up on the fishermen, Peter and some other fishermen, and he came up and it said that he saw some boats and he saw some men over there cleaning their nets and and they've been fishing all night. And they didn't catch anything. Jesus walks up. He gets in the boat. Peter pushes him out and he preaches a gospel from a boat, which I think is just awesome. I'm going to preach the gospel from a boat one day. <laughs> I do in my kayak. Not in my boat, yeah. I preach to the animals and the birds. You know, so. <laughs> but he pushes the boat out. He preaches. He gets done preaching. And he tells Peter, go out into the deep, drop your nets for a catch. And Peter was like, man, we've been fishing all night. Are you kidding me? No, that's not going to work. And Jesus, I can just see him smile. He's like, okay. It's that still small voice. That's simple to Peter. Peter's like, no, we've already been doing that. You don't understand. That's simple. That's not going to work. We need something complicated. But I love what he says. It says, but Simon answered him and said, Master, we've toiled all night and caught nothing. But his next word changed everything. Nevertheless. <laughs> Nevertheless, Lord, I'll do it. That nevertheless encapsulates humility. It's saying, not my will, Lord, but yours. Mm, I know it doesn't make sense, Lord. That I don't understand all this. You're asking me to do this, but this is telling me to do this. But your voice and your word is telling me to do this. So nevertheless, I'm going to do what God said to do. I'm going to humble myself. And the moment he did that, he got grace. They got in the boat. They went out. And not only did they catch one boat full of fish, they caught two boatfuls of fish. Enough to feed, if you really study it out, families for months. Months. Here's my favorite part. 
They're all rejoicing over all this fish. It's a big deal. And Peter comes to Jesus and he falls down at his feet and says, oh, Lord, forgive me. I have sinned. I am not worthy. Man, it breaks my heart. Because you see, he, he got revelation that he had missed it. He was like, I argued with Jesus and he just told me this simple thing to do. And so what happened was because he was new and like a beginner, he got in shame and guilt. Now watch what Jesus says. He saw Peter doing this and he was like, Peter, be not afraid. Now we're going to go fish for men. In that statement alone, there's grace, there's mercy, there's forgiveness, there's no harshness. It's forgiveness, period. He's like, Peter, fear not. Because see, Peter was afraid of what Jesus was going to think. He was like, oh gosh, I've messed up. And Jesus was like, no, 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 come on. You didn't mess up. Stand up, come with me. Follow me, let's go. That's how Jesus works. I really sense strong in here that there's a lot of shame and guilt because you think Jesus is mad at you or frustrated with you or that you can't go back to him. And all I hear him say is, don't be afraid. You come to me. All you are heavy laden and burdened and I'll give you rest. Come to me. I'll give you grace. Come to me. I forgive you. And I can hear in your head right now, (laughs) well, it's not that simple. Sure it is. You just have to do it. You get your heart in a position to humble yourself and say, Lord, I need you. I need help. And so today, that's what we're going to (laughs) do. There's two major things I believe that need to be taken care of, and that's people who, number one, have never met Jesus at all, never had or made a decision for Jesus whatsoever. You've heard about him, and I heard this yesterday in prayer. You're right on the edge. I don't know how many people, but it's specific. You're right on the edge of the rest of your life. You're right on the edge of beauty. You're right on the edge of forgiveness. You're right on the edge of of it. You're this close. You've been thinking about it. You've been, you know, maybe some people have been around you at work or somebody's been pouring into you. And I'm telling you, I'm just watering the seed. But that seed is so ready to sprout and begin to grow. I'm telling you right now, it's time. It's time. Let that thing happen. I know there's fear. I know you're dealing with fear about what is. I might have to do this. I might have to do that. I might. No, 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 no. That's that same fear Peter dealt with. Oh, because I've missed it. I might have to do this. No, 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 no. All you have to do is come to Jesus. That's it. So that's number one. Number two is there's Peters in here who have missed it. God's been telling you something simple to do for a long time. And you've just been doubtful or like, you know, it can't be that simple. It can't be that easy. But it's been a long time. And you know what? He's still saying the same thing. He's still waiting with a smile on his face. (laughs) He ain't gone anywhere. And his heart hadn't changed for you either. His heart never changed for Peter in that moment. His heart broke for him because it was like, oh, gosh, no, 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 no. Get up out of that shame and guilt. Let's go. 
I'm going to die on a cross for that. And he did for all of us. And so right now, if you go ahead and bow your heads and close your eyes, I'm going to turn the online service over to our online hosts. Thank you guys so much for watching today. We love you guys. But for everybody here, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Just like that sign, that billboard, you know, the Jesus sign, every light bulb is a life changed It's not just a sign. It's not just something we're doing for fun. It's absolutely, it's lives that have been changed forever. And so it's really simple. I'm not long-winded. I'm not complicated when it comes to an altar call or a decision time. But but I'm going to pray, and then I want you to repeat this prayer after me. Whether you've met Jesus for the first time or not, Maybe you've just been away for a while and you need to come back. Father, we just thank you so much. We love you. We thank you for your powerful word. We thank you, Lord, that, man, your word is full of power, life-changing, altering power. And all we have to do is, is, is ask for it. All we have to do is humble ourselves and say, Lord, I need help. And you come running. You, you're already waiting. You're always waiting. And so, Father, today, I thank you, Lord, for each person in here. Holy Spirit, comfort them. Bring them peace. Bring them rest. Wipe away all the thoughts of what ifs. I thank you, Lord, that you'd help them just focus in on you right now. Focus in on your help. Focus in on your freedom. Focus in on the beauty of their life that's about to happen the beauty of this thing that's about to sprout and take, take root in their heart forever. So just repeat this after me, if you need to. Say, Jesus, I need you. I believe that you died for me and that you rose again three days later. Jesus, I believe in you. I ask you to come live in my heart. Be the Lord of my life. I don't want my life to be the same anymore. I want to see a change. I need help. And I humble myself before you right now. I open my heart to receive all that you have for me. All that the cross did. My healing my freedom, my deliverance. Lord, I receive it all right now in Jesus' name. Father, I thank you for every decision that's been made. I thank you, Lord God, that it's not an, uh, a light thing, Father. I thank you, Lord, that as they make those decisions, as they leave here, I thank you, Lord, it'd be tangible as they get in their car, as they go home. I thank you, Lord, that as they go to work tomorrow, as they leave, that they know something has shifted. Something is beginning to grow now. And I just thank you, Lord God, that they would get connected either to this church or somewhere where they can continue to grow in this, Father, because I know what's next for them, Father. I thank you, Lord, for giving them revelation of their future. Let them see exactly what you want them to see. Let them experience this happiness that comes from humility, Father. I thank you, Lord, that a a humble heart is a happy heart. 
We thank you, Lord God, that not only do they need it, but people around them need it. So we thank you, Lord, that now that they've received this light, that they would go out into the world and give this light away to everybody they come in contact with. Not be ashamed of it, but hold it up high so that more people come around them and encourage them too. So, Father, we thank you so much. We love you, and we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.